Welcome back into the Two Point Conversion Pod, where you guys come each week to get our favorite picks in college football and the NFL. We had previously recorded this pod as one piece, but we decided to break this into two. So with that, we're going to jump right in and get Josh's first pick for our tag team teaser. We're going to move on to the NFL, and we're going to hit our first segment, which is always our tag team teaser, where Josh picks a leg and I pick a leg, and we come together for one common teaser. Josh, tell me why you like the Vikings this week on a tease. I like the Vikings. I'm a big value guy when it comes to teasers. I already kind of touched on it last week. The Colts, like the only reason we didn't win the teaser last week is because the NFL is still on ties. I think if that game continue to play, I think the Colts eventually come out with the win in that game and we get that double tease home. Unfortunately, uh, we're living in the Stone Age with those rules. But I like this play because with the Vikings, uh, teasing them up from one and a half to seven and a half versus the Eagles, I'm getting to push the number through three, six, and seven. Those are the three biggest key numbers when it comes to NFL scores. I thought the Vikings defense played well last week. They made Aaron Rodgers look human in a divisional game where he's looked ungodly. Um, And their defense did play well. They had 18 hurries against Aaron Rodgers. I know there's some fresh faces on the Packers offensive line, but I was impressed with that. On the other side of the ball, the Eagles looked fantastic on offense. They put up 38 points on the Lions. Hertz had a massive game. Everybody was calling for that. I think he was the smash play in DFS last week. Uh, He put up 90 yards rushing, a touchdown. Uh, But I like Jordan Hicks here. He's an athletic linebacker. He led the uh, Vikings last week with 11 tackles. I think they're going to do one of two things. They're going to be able to put him in a spy mode on Hurts. And the other thing I like about this game is Minnesota played zone defense on 85% of passing plays last week versus Green Bay. Wow. The big thing with going zone against a rushing quarterback is you're keeping your eyes in the backfield. You're not turning your back, running around. The quarterback can't just take off for 20, 30-yard gains. So they're going to force Hurts to stay in the pocket here a little bit more than he had to last week versus Detroit, who played 50% man coverage. So I like the matchup defensively a lot here for Minnesota. Um, Minnesota's defense also looked pretty good um, just in terms of tackling, which you you never know in week one. They missed five tackles compared to the Eagles, who missed 15 tackles versus the Lions. Yeah, week one is usually a slow start for defense. DeAndre Swift was running around like he was just like Georgia playing Campbell. <laughs> and so I did, I wasn't super impressed by the Eagles' defense. I think that Dalvin Cook could have a similar day. I like Alexander Madison, too, just as a guy who could force tackles. Last week they had eight forced tackles just between the two of them. So if Philly's defense doesn't shore something up, I could see them running all over them. And then defensively, last week we all thought Jefferson was going to be shadowed by Jair Alexander. I don't know if the Eagles are going to do this, something similar there in just terms of you know, keeping him on one side of the field with Darius Slay. But even if they do kind of shadow Jefferson, I'm not that worried about it. The dude is just the best receiver in football right now. I think Kevin O'Connell looked to be comfortable as a first-time head coach. He didn't have any... Uh, horrible calls like we saw last night from Nathaniel Hackett, who just could not manage a game. So it's tough. I like them. The main reason here I am teasing this game, because I kind of like the Vikings outright, Levi, but the main reason I'm going to go ahead and tease this up is because I can get this game uh, at 8.5. looks like Levi's telling me this game may even be higher now. Uh, you might even be able to bump this game up to... 
So is it's now at two and a half. So when you tease it, you get the Vikings up to eight and a half. Eight and a half, yeah, exactly. So that's where I'm at, eight and a half. And the reason I am is because Kirk Cousins, as much as we all love him, he has been trash in prime time. He's only eight and seventeen straight up in prime time. So give me that extra six points here. I think they should be able to cover. That's my first half of the tease. Uh, I, I feel comfortable with that, Levi. I'm going to get us home this week. Can you do the same? Yeah, so I, w- I would say really quick, though, I, I still like Eagles minus 2.5 in this game. But when you give me those six points, I'd love the Vikings at plus 8.5. Um, so that's going to be your half, my half. I'm taking the Bengals from 8 down to 2 at the Cowboys. Just watching this game last week, it was really apparent to me the Bengals are back. Like they're, I don't feel like the Bengals are really going to miss a beat. They did lose the game, but they showed a, a lot of really good things. They had multiple scores get called back. Um, you know, they had some penalties in the red zone. But I, I feel like Cincinnati probably should have won this game. We know Mike Tomlin is really good at getting his teams to overachieve against underdogs. So they were kind of fighting against that too. And we both got home Steelers six and a half, and you got an extra line at Steelers seven. But the Bengals have pieces all over. I, I love, you know, Joe Burrow, um, Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. T. did leave with a concussion, so want to keep an eye on that. Uh, but they have great skill positions. The offensive line did struggle pretty bad against the Steelers. They gave up seven sacks. Burrow was kind of, he was struggling in the pocket or whatever they called a pocket. This week, they'll have to worry about Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons showed pretty well in that Tampa Bay game. He was probably the lone bright spot for the Cowboys. But I'm really not overly worried about Cincinnati's ability to put up points. So that's that's a good start for Cincinnati there. Cincinnati didn't force any turnovers in the game with the Steelers, but they did force eight punts, and they did have a few goal line stops themselves. So... Again, maybe the end result didn't show up for Cincinnati, but they put a lot of good stuff out there on tape. And it's easy to think, right? Dak is going to be out. He broke his hand. So this is going to be Cooper Rush. He's taking over for the Cowboys. I'm, I think they're going to let him play this week before they, they worry about trying to trade for Jimmy G or find an alternative option, right? It's too late for somebody else to come in now and learn the offense. So this is going to be a Cooper Rush game. Offensively, the Cowboys looked utterly lost against the Bucs. Um, not not a whole lot of positive things to say. and I say this all the time, but it's really important not to overreact to week one results because usually those teams will rebound in week two. Underdogs against the spread in week two in the NFL is an absolute goldmine. Uh, but this just isn't going to happen this week. We've got the Super Bowl runner-ups against a team who's on their way down. I just can't see Cincy taking two two losses to start the year, one of which will be against a backup quarterback. I mean, I guess stranger things have happened, but Burrow's got to play better than four picks, and I just have to believe the better team's going to come out on top. So I got Bengals from eight down to two. Yeah, I think in this game, even if Higgins is out, as you mentioned, I think that Burrow should feel comfortable just attacking uh, their secondary with Chase. He had a huge game last week. Trayvon Diggs... He's really good playmaker, but at the same time, like I feel like you can throw at him. So I like this bet as well because, again, Levi's taken us through seven. He's taken us through six, and he has taken us through three. So just to recap, we have the Bengals minus two 
in our tease. And then we also have me taking the Vikings up to eight and a half. So we got a little favorite action. We got a little, you know, underdog action. I like the mesh. I like the, yep. you know, not playing just two favorites like we did last week. Hopefully we can go ahead and square this away and get this tease to one and one on the season. Yeah, I think we'll do just that. That re- that caps up our tease of the week. We're going to move on to my personal favorite segment that we do, and that is the NFL Moneyline Underdog of the Week. Josh, you've got a ballsy call, but before we get into that, I just want to talk about last week. Josh, you hit the Bears plus 255 in an absolute slog of a game at, at Soldier Field. That was a great call on your part. Yeah, I was a little bit nervous in the first half. It looked like Fields wasn't going to be able to get anything going. But the Bears, credit to them. They went into halftime. They made some adjustments. I like what we saw from their staff. I think they're a team to monitor. They play the Packers this week. Um, I'm interested to see how Aaron Rodgers bounces back. But uh, speaking of the NFC North, Levi, you took the Vikes last week. I did. I liked a lot of things that were pointing in the direction of the Vikings last week. They proved me right. 23-7 win at home against the Pack. By the time kickoff happened, the Vikings were a money line favorite. So I think I got pretty good closing line value on this. And look, closing line value is like if you continue to make good decisions over the long term, you'll end up being a winner. We might have lost this game, but getting closing line value is never a bad proposition for a better. We're going to continue to do that throughout the year. But I'm going to throw it to Josh for his first pick of the Moneyline Underdog segment this week. Yeah, I think last week I showed that you know when you're getting this kind of odds on a, on a Moneyline bet, uh, you just go for it. You don't have to be right that often. I'm going to lean into that again this week. I'm going to take Jets plus 210 at Cleveland. Uh, I think Cleveland, even though they are 1-1 one one, or 1-0, one oh, I wasn't that impressed by them last week. Honestly, they probably should have lost the game. Uh, their kicker made a really long field goal at the end of the game to win that. I think it was 58 yarders versus the Panthers. And I think the Jets, even though they really were never close versus the Ravens, I was impressed with a couple things. Their defense, for one, they only missed five tackles last week. I think Cleveland's offense really relied on Nick Chubb. He broke 11 tackles on 21 carries. And I wasn't, I didn't really see Bursette really start to get into a rhythm versus the Panthers. So I think it's going to be another week where we're leaning on Chubb. We're leaving on Kareem Hunt. And I like the Jets' defensive line. Quinn and Williams should be able to muck things up on the inside. I think offensively, the Jets, they're going to sling it. They did last week. I think Joe Flacco threw 57 times, something wild like that. And Cleveland's secondary, they gave up some big plays. They gave up a 75-yard touchdown to Robbie Anderson where he was just completely behind the defense. They gave up another 50-yard pass to Ian Thomas who probably has like 100 receiving yards in his career. And then they gave up two more big plays of 20 yards in the air. So if, if Flacco is back in the pocket throwing that thing like he did last week, there's going to be guys running around. I like the Jets' weapons, Garrett Wilson, Eli Moore. You had Corey Davis had a good game last week. You got two solid running backs. So I like what the Jets can do on that side of the ball. Really the part that makes me a little bit nervous in this game is just the protection up front. Last week the Jets gave up the most hurries in the league, 21 hurries. Credit to Flacco, he only gave up he was only sacked three times. He's getting the ball out quick. Um, whereas Cleveland, they, they were able to protect the quarterback. They only gave up one sack last week. So I think the Jets have to be better at protecting Flacco in order for us to get this home. Um, but again, this is plus 210. We don't have to be right all that often to in order to make money on this bet. 
And then kind of the last few things here. I think the Jets' pass defense looked really good. Their top two corners, Sauce Gardner, and Levi texted me this earlier. It's not on Gardner on ESPN. It is Sauce Gardner. That's how you know this man is the truth. And between him and DJ Reed last week, uh, they were one for eight on target. So they were targeted eight times. They gave up one catch for eight yards, two pass deflections, and an interception. So I like what they're going to be able to do. Again, they're going to take away what Jacoby can do. They're going to force Nick Chubb to beat him. And same thing with Kareem Hunt. He kind of had a, a good game last week. He carried the Browns' offense. I think another week of film, just kind of like seeing what the Browns are going to want to do with Jacoby because last week, last year they had Baker Mayfield. This is a brand-new quarterback. So I look for the Jets' defense under Robert Sala to have a good game plan in this one. Give me the Jets plus 210. You only got to be right about 30% of the time here to break even. I actually looked at this game myself. Uh, it's really hard not to like the value here. But ultimately, I had to call off just because I really just don't trust Flacco in this one. But the key here is what Josh said, is that he doesn't have to win this bet a lot to break even. And when you get high odds like this, it's the same reason why I placed a money line bet on the Lions last year against the Steelers at plus 310. Because I'm getting such crazy value at a certain point, it just doesn't matter what you think about the teams. The NFL teams are that close competitively. So hats off to you. I ended up pulling off of this one, but I hope it comes home for you. Where are you going? Where are you going with yours? The people want to know. Can we go 2-0 back-to-back? Absolutely. Easy peasy. Um, I have the Saints plus 130 at home against the Bucks, And this really comes down to the fact that I love Jameis as a favorite. Or I, I hate Jameis as a favorite. I love Jameis as a dog. So when he is laying points in Atlanta last week, that's a bad spot for Jameis. When Jameis is at home and you don't expect him to do much, that's the time to bet on Jameis. The Saints did have to mount a big comeback in this game, but honestly, that's really nothing new against the Falcons. I feel like these division games in the NFC South will always play close. Michael Thomas looks fully back. I was actually pretty surprised. Taysom Hill actually uh, showed some good things in this game. The only thing I would say was down. Kamara really just didn't look that good. He only had nine carries. Um, there's some good stuff here for the Saints, some good or some bad stuff. Home field advantage for New Orleans is some of the best in the NFL, especially in the NFC South. First home game of the year, I think they're going to be really loud. They'll make things really hard on the Bucks. And this is an incredibly experienced defense. Dennis Allen comes back. He's now the head coach. But this defense knows him well. They know how to run this scheme. And they've seen they've seen Brady a lot. You know, I kind of referenced this last week with Rodgers and the NFC North. There's sort of like an aura when you go to play up against these top quarterbacks that if you don't see them a lot, you can sort of get yourself psyched out and get yourself out of your regular defense. The Saints don't give a shit. They see Brady multiple times a year. They swept the Bucks last year, including a 36-27 win at home. So there's some good stuff here from the Saints side. And my question is, what's up with Brady? So the the off the field stuff and his age, I think he's finally starting to catch up with him. And I just don't really trust it. I I don't know. I just I feel off here with the Bucks. Fournette had an absolute monster game to start the year against the Bucks. He had that awesome chip block on Parsons and now it's turned into Twitter beef this week. I think that's hilarious. Uh, the Bucks also have a really experienced defense. Todd Bowles slides from D.C. over to head coach. Kind of similar situation as the Saints. He's seen Jameis plenty. He was Jameis' head coach. 
So I do worry somewhat about that, but again, they swept the Bucks last year. The same was true then, the same is true now. In a game where I feel like Jameis can keep it close, I'll take the plus value on the money line here. But I've also got to play in on Saints plus three because I feel like Saints plus three is a lock, and the money line is just good plus value for me. Yeah, I was just looking. I don't think we endorsed this last week, Levi. But if you would have taken our Bears money line along with your Vikings money line and just parlayed them together, you would have got close to 9-1 to one value on that. So I'm not going to go two weeks in a row not mentioning this. So if you take both our games together, just throw a little bit on it, you're going to get 6-1 to one right now. Plus 6-13 on that money line parlay. So I like that a lot. Um, I think, you know, throw a little bit on each game. When you're taking the Jets plus 210, I don't want to say, you know, bet the bet the rent on a, on a parlay, but I do like it as a value play here just to throw a little bit on the um, on the parlay, you know, sprinkle it, you know. I actually kind of like that as an opportunistic play. Yes, yeah, put a little lettuce on it. Just just a little bit, sprinkle a little bit. So that is our Moneyline Underdog segment this week. Josh Jets plus 210 at Cleveland. I've got Saints plus 130 at home against the Bucks. And now we're going to move into our last segment of the pod. This is our NFL wild card. Pick whatever you like. Pick your favorite value on the board. It could be a total, could be a side, could be a team total, uh, whatever you like. So it looks like Josh is fading my New York Giants. I hate to do it to you. You know, that he took the under last week in their game, and they were to pull out a crazy win. So, you won the bet too, right? No, I I actually had over, and the Randy Bullock field goal would have given me the over. But hell, I'll take the Giants win. 1-0, baby. All right, well, I think the Giants 1-0 stretch is going to possibly stop here. I like the Panthers in this game, Levi. Right now, the game is sitting at 2.5. I would try to hold out for a plus 3 if possible. But if it doesn't come, it doesn't come. I I would take the Panthers 2.5 still. I think this game's going to come down to pressure. So the first form of pressure here is Daniel Jones at home. Daniel Jones on the road has been a stud. 13-6 against the spread uh, after last week's win over the Titans. So we should have known to trust Daniel Jones. The problem with Daniel Jones is he cannot win at home. He's just 7-12 against the spread on the er, on at home, including a three-game win streak. So before that, he was 4-12 against the spread when the Giants played in the Meadowlands. So I look for him to regress back to the mean this week. And then I already brought up the pressure aspect of this game. The Giants did not create any pressures last week. They had just five pressures, no sacks. I know you're going to tell me, oh, Kayvon Thibodeau didn't play. Aziz Ojolari didn't play. We don't know if those guys are for sure back. It's only Tuesday. Uh, even if one of those guys is back, I'm not really trusting them to be able to get a ton of pressure against a Panthers offensive line. They looked okay last week versus Miles Garrett. I thought Ike Aquanu struggled at times. He gave up two sacks in that game, but I look for them to improve. On the other side of the ball, when it comes to pressures, the Panthers created 15 pressures against a very good Browns offensive line. Just one sack, though. So I think their defensive line played better than they're getting credit for. And then on the offensive side of the ball for the Panthers, it was the Baker Mayfield show early, which is probably a mistake. The Panthers only ran the ball three times in their first 16 play calls. I've seen tons of articles this week. Matt Rule says, we're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball. So I look for CMC. He's coming in a week two healthy, which is a shock, to be able to exploit this linebacking core for the Giants, which is probably their weakest point on defense. 
Both their linebackers scored under 30 overall on PFF last week with Tay Crowder and Austin Calitro. Uh, you said that correctly. Proud of you. So both those guys, not impressed. Tay Crowder, Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the draft. I don't even know if Austin Calitro was drafted. So I think CMC could make them look a little foolish this week. And then I also think that Baker should look better this week going against a weaker defense than the Giants. Uh, the Browns' defense is pretty good. And then... On top of it, the Giants, they just refuse to get the ball to their best playmaker outside of Saquon in Kadarius Tony. I don't know what's going on there. If they want to win at home and kind of fade this Daniel Jones streak, they have to play him. They have to get him the ball. I don't know if that's the case. I just think overall I give the edge to the Panthers at QB, D-line, linebacker, corner. Running back's probably a wash. But uh, I just, I don't know. I think if the Giants are going to try to go to 2-0, and uh, they're going to need a huge day out of Saquon. Their defensive line and Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence are going to have to show up big. And then Adoree Jackson is going to have to have a decent game versus DJ Moore. But I just think this game should be a toss-up. Give me the points, Panthers, plus 2.5, plus 3, whatever you can get it at. I, this would be a game that I might try to hold off later in the week to bet. I haven't bet it myself yet. Um, so uh, I, I think that's where I'm going. I'm going to toss it back to Levi here after just shitting all over his Giants. Where are you going with your last pick of the week? Well, before I jump into that, I should say I, I, I'm actually on this Panthers line. I, I haven't bet it yet. I'm, I'm hoping for a three, but if it never gets there, I'm definitely taking the two and a half. I think, I think the results last week make you think these teams are a lot more different, but when you break it down, their games had incredible parallels. The only difference is the Giants won and the Panthers lost. So I'm going to take the points just, just to say, like, I'm with you on that. Like, I, I agree with the logic, like, I was on the Giants last week. I'm on the Panthers this week. It's about the number. But uh, I grabbed Falcons-Rams under 48 last week in week one, before week one kicked off. You bet this game back in July, I feel like. You've been talking to me about this game for weeks. So it's already moved. So the total's now at 47. We've moved a full point. So it tells us the Sharps have been, Sharps like the under as well. Uh, the, The reason I like this game so far out is, the under hits about 60% of the time when the spread is 9.5 or more. So that's a pretty good hit rate. I like that trend. Just talking about the teams in this game, the Rams threw up an absolute stinker in Week 1. That was against a great Buffalo team. We usually overreact to Week 1 Week one results. This team's bad. This team's awesome. And the truth usually lies somewhere in the middle. So I, I expect a bounce back here from the Rams. I actually expect more running against what I see see as a weaker Falcons front. And not only will they be successful in that, but it'll help keep Stafford's pitch count low. I really am concerned about his elbow, so I I can kind of see the offense changing it up a little bit. More runs is going to chew the clock. Chewing the clock leads to the under. The Falcons actually had four sacks and eight quarterback hits against New Orleans. So they can get after it in the pass rush. Uh, I know that left tackle Joe Noteboom really struggled against the Bills, Von Miller specifically. Yeah, he had eight pressures in that game. Yeah, he was kind of left out on an island and did not do well. So I could that's another reason I think that the Rams will probably shade towards the run. Um, defensively, they'll be against Mariota in this game, who did well with his feet, but he's, he's not going to be Josh Allen. There's no one like Josh Allen. So, again, that's a part of the overreaction, right? Rams get blown out. Rams suck. Rams aren't going to be good this year. That's against Josh Allen. Josh Allen will probably win the MVP this year. I still like a ton of pieces on this Rams defense. Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Leonard Floyd, Troy Hill. Troy Hill had a huge game against 
Buffalo, even he was, though they didn't come out on top. He was really the only guy. Like, Donald had a sack early, but Jalen Ramsey kind of got torched by Diggs. I didn't even think Floyd made a tackle, so I look for those guys to bounce back. I don't think they're going to have two bad games in a row. On the other side, if we just hit on the Falcons really quick, I don't want to say too much about them, but they are coming out. They're coming off a game that they lost after leading by 13 going into the fourth quarter. It's really hard to know emotionally where you'll go from there. These are professionals, so I don't think they'll pack it in, but it's it's worth mentioning. They leaned really heavily on their run game. Corderell Patterson, his death was greatly exaggerated. I think people expected him to be a non-factor this year. And he had 22 carries, got a score, 100 yards in this game. Uh, Mariota himself was the, the second leading rusher in this game. He had 12 carries. So when the pass isn't there, Mariota can still get it with his legs. If the Rams can effectively shut down the run game, I, there's no way Mariota is going to sling the rock for like 28 points. I, I just can't see it. I think this will end up being a pretty convincing win by the Rams because they're better than what the public perception has them at this point. And a pretty convincing win means not a lot of points to the Falcons. The Rams are coming off long rest. They'll have plenty of preparation time. This is a pride game. Give me the under. I've got it at 48. I still think you're okay at 47. 47 is a key number in totals. So once it goes under 47, stay away from this game. That's the last thing I'll say about it. Yeah, I think an underrated part of this game, too, is Kyle Pitts had a really bad week one. Yeah. And I the Rams sometimes get a little bit creative with Jalen Ramsey. I wouldn't be shocked if he follows uh, Pitts around, especially with how much the Falcons put Pitts in the slot last week and out wide. So I could see Pitts having a second bad game here. I They could go with Drake London. They could put... Ramsey on Drake London, then I just kind of get a feeling they may try to shut Pitts out. They could. I mean, Pitts only had, what, two catches for 21 yards last week. So, it's you know, it's not like New Orleans let him do a whole lot. I, I think the play here, yes, I'm, I'm leaning heavy on the trend that the under hits 60% of the time when the spread is 9.5 or more. But when you look at these two teams side by side, one of these teams is not like the other. One of them is a playoff team in my mind still. Because I think we're still overreacting. And one of them is going to have a top three pick in the 2023 NFL draft. I also like what we did here uh, this week. We took the Bengals, who are 0-1. We took the Jets, who are 0-1. We took the Panthers, who are 0-1. And now we're probably saying the Rams are going to win this game, even though the bet's on the under. So we're kind of balancing out. Levi made a great point. People tend to overreact to week one. I think that going with the underdog, going with the team that lost in week one is a really good play for week two. Agreed. I'm interested to see where this kind of lands us. Like we mentioned, we're going to be in New Orleans this weekend, so uh, we may be in the casino kind of watching some of these games, making some live bets. So, again, follow us on kind of the Twitter. I think we're probably going to put more plays on Twitter than than TikTok this weekend. Definitely. Um, Just because we're going to be – so busy out and about out and about but yeah i mean i really like the slate i think it's a balanced approach uh, i think we really made some great picks in college too me and levi were talking and we were really struggling to find that third game and then we just both found the liberty game at the same time and i think we really just kind of meshed on that the more we talked through that game on the pod levi the more i liked it no i agree and and it's kind of funny you said that thing about nevada iowa i kind of talked you into it you do that to me sometimes so I hope you guys heed some of these takes that we've got this week. That pretty much wraps it up for us. Again, find us on Twitter account at the two point. I wouldn't look so much for TikTok this week, but we've got some good plays here and we'll recap it with you next week. Josh, anything else to add for him? 
Nah, I don't think I have anything. You know what you gotta do? I gotta do it. Lego!